guys and welcome to episode four of Give It The Beans. Now, my guest today needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him the best one I can do. You may have heard of this man for his love of baggy pants. You may have heard of him of his love of biomechanics, but I'm going to tell you about the myth, the myth and the legend, the story that I heard of a bodybuilder who strapped a couple of dumbbells to his back he flew over to the plains of the Serengeti, joined a pride of lions, taught them how to lift, and forever since then is known as the Cat Whisperer. It is the one, the only, Luke Hoffman of the Muscle Mentors. Luke, how are you doing? <laughs> Mate, that was the best introduction. He said it was going to be a good one. That was, that was a good introduction, and no word of a lie that actually happened. But that, that was phenomenal. I Thank thought, you, sir. I thought uh, it was I'm, the only I'm way. I'm to... honoured to be here. It was the only way that we could put across the point that yourself and me are a true lover of cats, and we all know uh, that this podcast is going to solely be about the fact that cats are better than dogs, um, and James is going to give a strong evidence-based argument for that. Um, but Jane, uh, James, I just called you James. Luke, I thought you did. I said James is. Luke, all things aside, uh, a massive thanks for coming to today's podcast. For those of you that don't know um, a lot about Luke. You're clearly living under a rock. Uh, Luke is going to tell us a little bit about uh, who he is, what he does, uh, the brand that he works for. Um, so, in a sentence, a paragraph, a long paragraph, please, Luke, um, before we get into what today's podcast is going to be about, can you give the listeners just a summary of what I just said there, who you are, your bodybuilding career to date, how you guys built the brand, the Muscle Mentors, what the Muscle Mentors stand for. Um, and that would be fab sweet well thank you for having me on sir it is an honour um, pleasure I, uh, yeah it's, uh, I mean where do I start I mean when I came back from Africa <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so um, yeah basically so I'm co-owner with, uh, with Callum Raystrick who I think will be the will be on after me um, we co-own the Muscle Mentors which is a uh online physique coaching and education brand in the fitness industry and we basically teach people we coach people on how to optimize their physiques and build muscle and lose body fat and prep for competitions and photo shoots and all that jazz and and then at the same time we teach other coaches what we do in our approaches um and kind of the the differing you know approaches that we have with respect to looking at lifestyle factors and and things like sleep, like looking into areas that a lot of other coaches don't tend to look into. Um, and we've kind of come up with a nice little system there that seems to be working well. Um, and then also, like you said, like we, we've kind of become quite known in the exercise mechanics side of things. Um, and that's kind of, that led us to taking James on as a coach as well. So James, you had on before, um, who's, who's very well versed in the exercise mechanics world. Um, and that's another area that we obviously branch out in and, you know, we use in our own programming and kind of taken what we've learned in that and applied it to hypertrophy and how to optimize things there. Um, and that's pretty much it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much where we are today. Slowly taking over the industry. (laughs) Well, I was a way to say for those of you that haven't been, uh, Luke and the rest of the guys run uh, a bunch of camps and I talked about them in the last podcast with James. If you haven't been along to them and you're a coach within the UK, go. And I promise you, you will learn so much that you can implement into your business to get better results with your clients. Uh, These guys are more than happy to share what they know. Um, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say for free, but I know that if someone uses the words please and thank you and message you on Instagram, that you will more than likely reply to them. So remember your manners, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you're going to ask these guys for advice. But honestly, uh, I would say that, and I said this in the podcast with James as well, I'll say it with Cal, that in my opinion, the sort of biggest, best physique, online physique optimization, coaching, whatever you want to call it, brand in the UK today. So the fact that, you know, we don't have that up here in Scotland, Look, I thought I would bring the Muscle Mentors to a very Scottish podcast. So, today's podcast, we're going to talk all things stress. Now, I have a bunch of topics, discussions that I'm going to 
quiz look on for a little bit of my own knowledge, but mostly for the knowledge of you listeners um, to talk about the real effects of stress on bodily processes, your training, perhaps things that you've not considered, such as the menstrual cycle. But before we get started, look, um, I just want to perhaps you, if you can, give the listeners a, a brief description of what exactly is stress? What do, what, what do we mean when we talk, when we when we say that? And let's start there. That's actually a tough. Well, I mean, firstly, your comments about our brand—that's oh, very kind, sir. Um, really appreciate it. But the, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, how can you define stress without using the term stress? <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one, right? I mean, it's essential. I mean, because I mean, there's stress has many, many forms, and I think you, you know, people don't necessarily factor that in a lot so physical stress is even things like um exercise you know so people manage other stresses with certain other stresses so they manage their emotional stress and work stress and life stress with a physical stress a lot of the time so they kind of i mean i'd say a lot of people misunderstand stress in that in that case because um i would say i'd go as far as to say i mean exercise can be a stress management tool but it can equally be something that's quite detrimental on that front and that's where I mean it comes into all the cumulative stresses in your life which I mean stress you'd kind of look at as a I mean I don't know how you define that in terms of mental emotional strain physical strain that's resulting from kind of Adverse. I thought, oh, wait, there is a definition that says like it's resulting from adverse or I think the way I think it's demanding circumstances. If someone types that in on Google, I'm sure that will come up. So it's kind of the strain that's resulting from circumstances outside of our control that are quite negative or pressured. You know, in some sense. I mean, that's a really shit definition. I knew um, it would be a tough question for you. That's why. Yeah, I asked yeah. It. I mean, <laughs> that is quite hard. I, right. I, I, I elected not to see any of the questions that Vaughan's got, so I've kind of put myself on the spot here. <laughs> believe, yeah. believe me, they will get easier. So No, no, no the, um, I, I, the, but I think the thing to think about with stress is there's a thing called allostatic load, which is essentially the cumulative total or, or the total of the cumulative stresses in our lives at one time, when that's where we get you know the physical stresses, the emotional stresses, the mental stresses the you know psychological stresses which kind of all come under one banner with certain slight differences and then work stresses life stresses all those guys and it's kind of the interplay between those you know all those areas that um that we've got to manage and people don't definitely don't do enough on that front these days i mean you can count on one hand probably the amount of what i can count on if i before i got into this game i could probably count on one hand the amount of people I knew that implemented stress management techniques in their lives and now I can say all my clients (laughs) but but it's still quite rare that you'll get people that do stuff to actively manage stress in their lives and actively understand what you know the negative the the negative effect that stress can have on all other areas of life exactly where I'm going to stop you because that's that's a question further down the field Right, and, and talking about manage it is further down the field. So, we've we've talked about what stress is now. What in a, a wa- really vague way. <laughs> in, a, in a really vague way, right? However, that's okay. Now, what I want to then get you to perhaps elaborate more on would be what effect may stress have on the body? Now, people obviously know when they feel stressed, they maybe feel agitated and they struggle to sleep or this, that, and the next thing, but. Can you give us a brief, a brief description of what people might find? Maybe maybe they're not aware they're stressed, but maybe what mm. what that could cause. But also, I know that you like to geek out a little bit, the effect that stress may have on the body and or how the mm. body responds to that. Yeah, it's a good question. That's a big question. It is. The, um, it's a big one. The, I think the thing with stress and kind of breaking it down is that there's different types of stress. So I think people, you know, good stress people term as stress, which is spelled E-U stress, um, and then distress, which would be kind of a negative stressor. Um, and then you get like hormetic stresses, which would be exercise, that kind of 
in the right doses has a very positive effect and it can, it can go the wrong way if you do too much of it. Alcohol, I think, is classed as a hormetic stressor. If you have a modest amount, it can have positive effects and too much and you have negative ones. So it's kind of always a balancing act. Um, the, but it's the thing of like, you know, the effect is largely the same. People have, you know, positive stresses in their lives and negative stresses and you look at like um, people getting a job promotion or something like that, some, you know, they get, or they get engaged, or, you know, these big life events, in, they actually have the same effect that a neg, you know, negative thing like a car crash or someone dying or something like that would have, is how we're responding to it internally as well, like how we perceive that event that has, has an effect. But, you know, people get, you know, really good news and they still can't sleep at night, and then they get really bad news and they can't sleep at night, um, and their heart rate elevates, and that's where if we kind of come into how it affects the the body we've got you know the nervous the central nervous system in the peripheral nervous system and the central nervous system is the branch of our nervous system that's composed of our brain and spinal cord and it's very central and protected um hence it's got the skull and the vertebral column and things like that around it and then the peripheral nervous system which breaks down into various different branches the somatic and the autonomic branches the autonomic nervous system is the one people kind of get um this is the one that gets thrown about in this this area of chat because you, that's basically subdivided into three areas and we have the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system and then the enteric nervous system which is this the branch of the nervous system that governs our gastrointestinal tract so the, like, for those listeners that are maybe not sure what peripheral nervous system is sympathetic and parasympathetic do you want to just give them a little bit of a, a layman's terms for dummies, what that might be? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was getting it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. bad. My bad. No, no, no. No, no, no. I think it's, um, it's, it's you know, that's that's the thing. Like This this uh, sympathetic nervous system is obviously what's termed as our fight or flight, um, you know, kind of fight or flight nervous system. Um, or if we're in a sympathetic state, we're kind of in a fight or flight state, and the parasympathetic would be kind of our rest and digest feed and breed you know the chilling outside of our nervous system and, and these two are the kind of the prime um no the, the prime guys that are uh, kind of at the forefront of of stress management in some respect and we see how these different areas affect um affect the body in response to stress and when we obviously have a stressor acting on us the sympathetic nervous system tends to take over and we see things like our pupils dilate and we um, digest intends to shut down, so we'll get salivation, will be inhibited, so we don't tend to salivate for things. Our heartbeat elevates, um, our digestion as a whole is inhibited. Um, we get adrenaline dumped into our, um, into our bloodstream to obviously increase, further, you know, further increase heart rate, prepare us for basically having to, like, I mean, the analogy is the sympathetic nervous system is, is what you'd have if you're running away from a lion. And the um, parasympathetic one is the one you'd have if you're chilling in a field eating grass. So it's kind of, there's a guy who wrote a book, um, there's a guy called Robert Sapolsky who wrote a book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, and he really goes into this. Um, and, you know, like, zebras spent 90% of their day chilling in a field eating grass, and they're kind of living most of their life in that parasympathetic state. And then there's there's those you know, short instances where they're getting chased by a lion, but they, they don't tend to dwell on that and their stresses are very short-lived and they don't tend to worry too much. Whereas we'll get into, like, nowadays, human beings are kind of spending 90% of their time in that sympathetic state and they're getting pretty fucked up for it because then we, we get... When you were in the Serengeti, did you get a chance to talk to some of the zebras? Yeah, they didn't want to. They didn't want to lift. I just love the cat reference. I just love the cat references. So sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So the but then the parasympathetic side essentially does the opposite. So that kind of um, stimulates salivation, stimulates digestion, and like all the digestive processes slows our heart rate down, um, slows our breath rate. Um, you know, increases uh, secretions of all the. Um, you know, gastrointestinal secretions all throughout our digestive tract. So things in our stomach, things in our pancreas. Um, it kind of lessens your dampens adrenal activity, um, and it, it, it's a scent. And like, we'll, you'll see the parasympathetic side lower blood pressure. The sympathetic side will raise it. Um, 
it, you know, all these things, when we break it down, we look at, you know, hence why it's termed the rest and digest side, parasympathetic system will kind of um, lead to all those activities in the body that um, allow us to thrive. We were talking about processing all the food we're eating, relaxing, enjoying life, not, not really stressing about much. And the sympathetic side is is the side of the nervous system that we um, that is there to to save us when we're when we're in danger. Um, and I, I I think that I used the line in our seminar, our phase one seminar, that we survive through the sympathetic nervous system, but we thrive through the parasympathetic. Yeah, I, so I, we, I, and, I remember that quote. Yeah, and that's where we kind of want to really have control or at least awareness over this you know stress in our life so we can do things you know do certain things to push us into the parasympathetic side and and then you know be able to get into the sympathetic side when we want to and not have that kind of being our our resting state which is the, the case for a lot of people these days you know they're kind of traveling to work stressed out you know, in traffic, and then they're at work all stressed out, and they're eating all their meals in a stressed out state. And we've already established that the sympathetic side of the autonomic nervous system is going to inhibit digestion, so they're not going to be breaking down foods properly and assimilating those nutrients. And then they're going home in a stressed state, and then they're coming back to their family, and their family's stressing them out. And then they're going to bed thinking about work, and they're never getting a chance to to shut off and, and so, chill out. So we're all just fucked, really. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> what this this guy Robert. He was. I think he was the first guy to really go into the, the stress side of things and he kind of says that I think some people took what he says is stress kills you and that isn't true because we need stress stress can be very positive but like I said it's a balancing act but what excessive chronic stress can do because acute stress is a good thing if you can ma- manage it but chronic excessive chronic stress basically will just kill you quicker because it does everything you know it compromises everything from the immune system and everything like that you know brain function decreases and we see like it accelerates things like alzheimer's um you know having elevated levels of cortisol this takes us on to the next topic of discussion you've actually answered one of them without me actually asking you so touche touche now i guess and, and I'm thinking from perhaps a coach who's listening, who follows you, who's maybe not as well-versed in the autonomic nervous systems, and they maybe see you guys talk about, or they hear sympathetic drive, parasympathetic drive, and they're not really sure what that means. You just described it very, very well. But I guess the question, or the second part of the question was, when do we want either one of these? And what, like, for example, when would one be beneficial to your guys's mission which i know is physique optimization right so if we talk about in regards to physique optimization and that mean you know getting as jacked as possible or as lean as possible and i i just literally mean in general trying to add tissue drop body fat so when would we want to be sympathetic driven when would we perhaps not want to be and in the same with parasympathetic now people out there may be thinking right look a lion doesn't chase me that often so is that to d- relevant today's society? I'm not being chased by a lion. I don't feel stressed. Yeah. Could you maybe tell them? So I tell you, that's the second part. Let's talk about the first one first. So when do we want sympathetic or parasympathetic drive? Mm, I like it. Um, when do we want sympathetic? I mean, in the realms of training, body composition, people seeking hypertrophy. That's you know when we're doing physical activity when we're um, you know, when we're in the gym, when we're training, that that's the thing. Like the sympathetic nervous system, the the side of that autonomic nervous system that's kind of getting us ready for that training. It's kind of increasing blood pressure. It's increasing um, the amount of um, you know blood flow to our peripheries. Um, that's that's what it does. Um, so it kind of is, and it will shunt blood flow away, which is where we see the. the the digestive system gets inhibited because the, the body's basically diverting blood flow away to working muscles. So that's 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 the sympathetic uh, side of the nervous system is always going to be more active um, in those situations, and and it's those situations that we want we want to be able to kind of like Cal terms says this a lot, and people have heard us say it like flip the switch, so to speak. And it isn't as simple as flipping a switch. Like you can't just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to be sympathetic and parasympathetic, <laughs> but you can. Be pretty good at like you know 
actively doing things to calm yourself down or psych yourself up and you know people seem to have that side of things nailed down they get they're driving to the gym and they're putting on music that amps them up and they're nailing pre-workouts that stimulate that adrenal output that is also stimulated by the sympathetic nervous system so they're doing a lot of things that are bolstering that effect that the sympathetic nervous system is going to have and preparing them for that session and it's the stuff outside of that that they crap at so you tell someone like okay what do you do to chill out after a session because you've got to go now go home and eat a lot of food and we know that if you want to get the most out of what you're eating that parasympathetic side of the nervous system is going to be doing the most to help you there in terms of that's going to increase all the secretions through your gastrointestinal tract that you need to break down the food you're eating it's going to increase gastrointestinal motility um so you, you're actually that food's going to be moving through you're going to be able to get you know excrete the food that you need to excrete or excrete the waste products you need to excrete and not have things go through too quickly that you, you don't get the chance to absorb them um and it's going to increase salivation so you're actually able to make the you know the digestive process more efficient from the the moment you put food in your mouth because that's what saliva does it kind of activates a lot of the downstream effects that or the downstream um players in the in the gastrointestinal tract it starts with saliva so you've got to actually a you've got to enjoy what you're eating so you're actually salivating for it but then you've also got to chew your food well and get you know make sure that there's saliva actually present um but it's um and that's so it's essentially outside of that when we're trying to maximize recovery we want to be in a state where our body's not trying to you know fight something off not trying to stress out and divert blood flow away into our peripheries for performance it's trying to kind of conserve energy because when we look at hypertrophy and we look at recovering from our session stuff that's an energy costly process like to to stimulate hypertrophy to build muscle it costs the body a lot of energy so we want to be in a state where you know your body's able to direct that energy well and not it's not being taken up by things that don't need it um, but you know you're not you're not sitting there with a resting heart rate that's like 80 beats per minute when you don't need it um, and um, and that's you know that's where I'm sure you'll ask later like we track stuff like that and, and we'll see that are you, you know, sure you've not seen this question yeah <laughs> <laughs> Someone's yeah. obviously hacked my laptop during this and has just fed you that there, because um, yeah. that is that is later. So yeah. I love that I love that scenario of we've talked about a, a gym session where you know pre workout getting the music on. You know if you're ready to run away from a lion, you're going to be able to go on that hack squat, give it the beans, and hit a PB or whatnot, right? So let's give it the beans. yeah, absolutely, man. So let's say okay, after I've done my leg session, you know, let's talk about uh, an example. Let's talk just like a businessman or a businesswoman. They've went in, they've absolutely smashed a leg session. And then on their way to work, they're wolfing down food. And then they get, and they've get they got a really big meeting. And all they could think about on, on the way to work is this meeting, right? How would you, in that scenario, suggest we try and mitigate, quote-unquote, this sympathetic drive you're talking about? I'm also, you did mention the word adrenals, and if anyone's wondering... I'll get to that. I'll question Luke about that in a second. But if we were to talk about a real-life scenario, you know, someone, they need to be at work, they've got this big thing, but they just hit a massive PB, but and, you, and you're saying to them, but hey, listen, I don't know, let's call them Sharon. Sharon, you know, you you got to be getting this cream of rice and this baby rice because Carl's been eating it. You know, you know it's, they've run out in Tesco, so I had to get it on Amazon specially. You need to eat this. How are they going to do that but try and get to this ever-elusive parasympathetic drive so basic real life example something really simple someone could just implement and what that will do to them or the benefit that will give to them mm. and, and this is where with all our coaching we, we always I made this pre-feeding checklist which uh, okay. I stand up oh. and it kind of goes through a load of easily you know, easy to action things people can do to kind of get themselves into a, a more quote unquote parasympathetic state or a less stressed state which is going to improve digestive ability. It's going to improve improve things like, like I said, gastrointestinal motility. Like when we're when we need, to, if we're eating like a big meal that has a lot of protein in, like you need sufficient levels of gastric acid, so stomach acid, to break stuff down. You need sufficient levels of enzymes that are released from your pancreas to break that down. And kind of being, like I said, being in that state helps a lot on that front. Um, and 
I mean, the easiest thing is to avoid eating in a stressed state, and that's number one on the list. Um, it's basically don't eat when you're stressed. Um, and you know, so immediately following or during an acute stress, so like people train and then they slam, you know, they slam down food. And PT clients are, you know, are, you know massive um, offenders in this side of things where they have a have a client and then they have five minutes for the next one and they smash down a, a meal really quickly. And business businessmen and women are the same. They kind of have a meeting or, or they don't even leave their desk. They're kind of working and they carry on working whilst eating. They sit at their desk and they continue to eat and that yep. work is still stressful. It's, you know, they're not being present with their food, they're not being mindful about what they're eating, um, they're not chewing their food properly. So all that they're kind of doing everything possible to, to make it harder for their body to deal with the nutrients that they're taking in. Um, and the easiest thing you can do is remove yourself from the situation or allow yourself enough time to calm down. If it's like, you know, post workout or post gym client, like allow yourself some time to, to eat the meal properly. But businessmen and women, take yourself away from your desk. Go and sit by a window somewhere away. To, you know, leave your phone at your desk. Sit down, enjoy so the meal. So glad you said and, that. Yeah, and, and, and you know, enjoy the view if you're in a building that has a view, or you know, go and eat it with other people and chat and be sociable. Like there's th- all these things you can do, and then you know, you can add to that if, if someone's really stressed and they've come out of the situation and they're stressed. You could add something in like nasal breathing. So like that has been shown to increase um, parasympathetic activity. So and that is where we look at, you know, you look at the fact that the parasympathetic nervous system regulates things like breath rate. If you actively slow down your breath rate, it's kind of one of the only ways, because the autonomic nervous system is beyond our control. It's an autonomic nervous system. We don't have conscious control over it. But one of the ways we can kind of jump in and kind of take the wheel is through breathing. Um, and there's a really nice, like, research-backed breath rate, which is about six breaths per minute, which works out five seconds in, five seconds out. Um, and you can do that for a few minutes, and that's been shown to increase parasympathetic activity. So people can do that, get into the habit of doing that before meals, um, especially if they're at work. Um, and there's a, there's a one... I came up with a thing called the 5, 10, 15, 20 rule that I tend to give clients, which is where before as many meals as they can, they can, they have five deep deep belly breaths through the nose, um, according you know, in alignment with that six breaths per minute rule. Yeah. And then they have ten seconds between each mouthful. People don't do that. So you kind of have a mouthful, put your cutlery down and kind of chew your food properly. And by chewing your food properly you'll take about ten seconds, so that kind of is easy. Um, fifteen minutes per meal, so people don't take long enough meals. I mean how people start gauging how quickly they eat meals out there, the people listening to this, they're probably like, oh yeah, I'll probably eat in like five minutes and not even that. Because if you kind of make that meal last for longer, it's been shown that the longer you spend eating, the more satiated you are. Um, And I think that's awesome. That's an awesome tool for like someone that's dieting. Like let's say you're doing a photo shoot prep, comp prep, or even if you're just like a general pop client that you've always ate till you're full, till you're absolutely burst. If you sit like Luke is literally giving you a, a basic piece of advice of stop eating, stop shoveling in your mouth, actually chew your food, and yeah. you might not need that massive plate that perhaps people are overeating with. Or if you're dieting on prep, let's face it, hunger's a big issue. You want to try and mitigate that. So what I want to just add as well is that everything Luke and the muscle mentors say is all backed up and their approach is, is 100% evidence-based. And I've seen so many like papers on your story and like when you go to their seminars it's all reference based and and often like you you can get naturally a little bit confused with it all if you're not used to looking at the research but the fact that you put research at the forefront of what you guys do is what in my opinion puts you guys at the massive forefront of the industry is that it's not just hey we did this once and it worked so why don't you do it it's hey Here's a list of studies, of reviews, research that will tell you why nasal breathing is so so good and what it does to the, yeah. you know, to us to we're just gonna call it de-stress around the past and yeah. to to yeah. de-stress. So let's do that now. I think one thing that you touched on about ten. Oh, so the, wait, the last point I forgot. Sorry, sorry. I'm gonna get to the twenty. Okay, just quick. So yeah. and that's easy. That's just twenty chews minimum per mouthful. So people 
Okay. Like if you, and if you want, and it's been shown like twenty to thirty twos is kind of optimal for breaking things down. But again, where taking longer to eat means you're more satiated, you're going to be more satisfied with what you're eating. You're not going to be so hungry. So does chewing. And like, there's a load of hormones that are linked to chewing that get released the more you chew, that do some pretty cool health stuff as well. Um, and if there's any nerds out there that want to know, we're looking at CCK, which is cholecystokinin, and GLP-1, which is glucagon-like peptide-1. If people want to go and look into that separately, go for it. But those are two key players that the more you chew, the more of those guys there are, and they're pretty cool. What do they do? What's their benefit? Layman's terms. Layman's terms. Um, well, GLP-1 is incredibly powerful as a... To like in, essentially enhance insulin sensitivity, so our sensitivity to the hormone insulin, which is a pretty key hormone, and we know that we want to be more sensitive to hormone uh, to insulin when we if we're looking to optimize health um, and hypertrophy because um, he plays a key role there. Um, it decreases the rate of gastric emptying, so the rate that food and exits our stomach. The more GLP one we have, the slower that happens, which is one of the reasons why we. A filler, but it also means that some of the other stuff going on in our digestive tract has longer to do its job before it just gets overloaded by food. It increases satiety. Um, it increases glucose uptake by muscles without the presence of insulin. So you kind of Brilliant. you don't have to rely on insulin to get stuff where it needs to be, which is quite nice. And it can help regenerate um, beta cells in the pancreas, which is pretty cool. So those guys that produce insulin so people that are kind of having trouble with health and like diabetic and stuff like that I mean potentially it's not I don't know if they've looked at it for that kind of purpose but um, chewing your food can have a positive effect on that I mean they're, they're using GLP-1 synthetic GLP-1 with diabetics now because of its effect in improving insulin sensitivity and that like they sort of inject it into them which is pretty cool but it has it's a awesome. really positive effect on reducing inflammation improving liver function um, kind of um, does a, some pretty cool effects with respect to uh, cardiovascular health so it's very good for blood vessels the more GLP-1 we have the more we have improved endothelial function it seems arterial stiffness goes down so people getting stiffened arteries due to inflammation things like that that improves blood pressure gets reduced the more GLP-1 is present so it's all kind of very positive thing to have and one of, they did some studies where they had people like Chew it. They measured the amount of people chewing, and the people that chewed closer to 40 chews versus 15 chews, I think it was, um, had like significantly higher levels of GLP-1 and that other guy CCK, which is kind of similar, but it like GLP-1 is the big player. Um, That's pretty awesome. So yeah, so people shoot for 30 chews around that, and you'll be absolutely fine. I mean, it's not going to make you jacked, but it is going to make you healthier. And oh, I could I mean, safely say that. I was literally waiting to say that chewing your food will mean that you'll be more jacked. So that's I mean, totally opposite what I was thinking. It might come out. But, it might hey, come out. I mean, I guess what I was maybe trying to say is that if people chew their food properly, they will be able to digest food better. They'll be able to ultimately... There was a few things you said at the end that will ultimately mean that your health, longevity of health will be better. You, know, you talk about arterial functioning for people that yeah. don't know we're talking about blood vessels all right yeah. so blood pressure i'm sure i'm sure people are well aware of those sort of simple terminologies and if they're all in an improved state you got to think that if you continue that for years and years the overall health will be better now i think that kind of leads me on to the next one i want to pick your brain about and a lot of people will probably wonder what does the word adrenals mean and you mentioned it ever so briefly but you were deep in a discussion of a point earlier question that I didn't want to sort of interrupt you. So, if for those of the people that don't know what the adrenals are and maybe their link with what we're speaking about, um, could you give us a sort of a brief summary on on that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, your adrenal glands are essentially two small guys that are they're part of the endocrine system. Um, the um, and they they produce they're located like they sit just on top of your kidneys, um, and they produce a load of hormones in response to stress, and they basically produce our stress hormones and our sex hormones. Um, so, if we want optimal function on all those levels, and that's you know 
you know, beyond stress, and if people want an optimal sex life, then they're going to need to be pretty on it <laughs> with respect to their like, adrenal health. Um, you know, and we're looking at hormones like adrenaline for Americans out there, that's epinephrine, and then noradrenaline, which would be norepinephrine if you're an American. Um, and then we're looking at cortisol, which I mentioned earlier. Um, I mean, like I said, the sex hormone, uh, well, sex hormones, steroid hormones. So we're looking at all the different androgens, um, aldosterone, um, which is a guy that kind of regulates mineral balance and so sodium, potassium levels essentially in our blood, um, which is where you see, you know, people gaining weight under stress and we see the, the adrenals pumping out things like aldosterone and a lot of the other guys that, in, you know, come out of the adrenals can affect those guys of the body. The easy way to think about it is if, like, you know, the body, where water goes, or, you know, where sodium goes, water tends to follow. And aldosterone signals our kidneys to reuptake sodium into the blood, um, which increases blood pressure, because what happens there is there's more sodium in our blood, which means there's more water in our blood, which means there's more volume of in our blood, and there's essentially more pressure in our blood vessels, which means blood pressure increases and things get places quicker because that's one of the, the, the that's essentially what happens when we have increased blood pressure it's it's, it's easier for things to um you know essentially the, the stuff in in our blood vessels is more compressed and when we, if you had you know some liquid in a tube and you increase the amount of liquid in there it's going to kind of move quicker through that through that tube totally. that's basically what happens um and so you know people gaining weight under under periods of stress is usually something to do with those those mineral mineralocorticoids those those guys that influence our minerals where you know we retain a bit more sodium and as a result we don't excrete the same amount of water that we normally would weight goes up things like that happen which is where you know people and you you'll get into it i imagine i don't know if you're going to go into it with cal um or we're going to go into it today but people in bodybuilding shows and diets and things like that there's points where they'll give themselves you know, a lot more food in a prep, you know, they'll be restricting calories and restricting calories and they give themselves a load of food um, and then they tend to drop a load of weight. And one of the, you know, one of the benefits of giving someone more food when they're restricting calories is that you're actually directly decreasing stress. So potentially one of the reasons that they lose weight is because you're reducing the amount of, essentially the amount of output coming out of their adrenals so their body can dump a bit low. Doesn't mess, maybe doesn't release the same amount of things like aldosterone and we drop a bit more water as a result, and then suddenly weight kind of comes down, even though we've had a load more calories. And you see that, you know, people going on stage, and they kind of look a bit watery, and then they come off stage, and they wake up the next day absolutely shredded because all that stress is gone. Yeah. And you know, I think, so it's I kind of a similar thing. When uh, Often, like, if you'll probably get this as well. People might be following you that they'll see you. I've done this a few times. Like, you put up a, maybe you put up a, a photo of a client, and you say, oh, this is what their calories were. Uh, and maybe someone that's very, very lean, you know, we're talking maybe two weeks out. This is what the calories were. A week later, you're like, I've put the calories up to this, I've reduced this, and they look better, and everyone goes, whoa, you're a wizard. Yeah. Right? Stress. <laughs> ultimately, what you've just said is yeah. exactly why that happens. And, and I did this with a client, Clara, um, who by the time this podcast is out, will have done our competitions. But we, bikini girl, calories very low, we're talking like average 900 on the sort of 11 days before our show, we upped them between 12 to 14 daily. We reduced our uh, cardio, we reduced our steps. And then every day, she just looked better and better and better. And again, Jen Pop was like, I don't understand, I don't get this. And I was like, wait till you listen to my podcast with Luke. Luke will describe yeah. exactly exactly why this happens. Now, yeah. out of everything you said there, I'm going to pick on one of the things that is released by the adrenals that I'm sure a lot of people in the industry have heard but they maybe don't know why this guy is potentially not not the enemy of fat loss or muscle gaining but very important for living but cortisol is often you know one of the adrenals main main things that releases in, in response to stress right and for those of you who don't know what looks, you know, go listen to the past 40 minutes, everything Luke said, cortisol is heightened, or at least is heightened when it comes to stress response. Now, why would it be seen as the enemy of fat loss or muscle gain for the complete newbie 
out there, layman's terms. And if you want to geek out a little bit, you can do, but I might might prod you just for the ones that don't know. So they're yeah. thinking, oh, Corazon's this bad guy. Is he really bad? And if he is, why is he bad? Yeah. Well, I'll keep the... I'll try and keep it as least geeky as I can because I think that you, know, you could go into court on like an entire podcast. Oh, yeah, we could be here for yeah. a <laughs> <laughs> like, could be like a, You could spend probably... I'm sure people have done that. They've probably spent days on court so maybe a week in courses and stuff. I mean, it's insane. But the, I mean, I haven't gone into that depth. But I mean, the, the ultimate function, court is termed as a stress hormone. It's not really a stress hormone. It's an anti-stress hormone. It's it's a, it's released by our adrenals in response to stress, but it's usually to get us out of that. Um, and, it, and one of the biggest things that court does is, in, you know, it's, it um, increases blood sugar. It basically causes... Um, us to dump glycogen into the blood, um, dump glucose into the blood, break down glycogen stores and from the liver and, and things like that, and it, it causes an increase of glucose in the blood, um, and the, that is there to basically act as fuel for, for our, to get us out of a stressful situation, and it um, increases the amount of glucose in our blood from a process called gluconeogenesis, um, so the, the, which is a process where we convert protein into glucose um or amino acids into glucose in the liver um and so there's all these different mechanisms where cortisol's like shit there's you know there's some stress happening and i need to get them out of this so let's give them some something to get them out um i think you know some of the mechanisms in that how cortisol inhibits things like muscle um i mean there's going to be the fact that the more cortisol we have the more stress we're going to be um and that is generally not but not an ideal thing for, for when we're looking to maximise recovery. But we also get the fact that cortisol suppresses the immune system. Um, and when we're looking at things like hypertrophy, the immune system's arguably one of the lead players in driving hypertrophy. So when we get a suppression of the immune system, it's not ideal. And we see that where things like, as we get high levels of cortisol, they've shown that things like wound healing take a lot longer. Um, I think they've, they've gone up and taken it can take up to somewhere between 30 and 50% longer um, Damn, when we have excessive periods of cortisol and then you can apply it you know if we're in a gym and you just smashed a session and you know beating up your muscles and it's got a you know there's muscle damage and, and your body needs to go your immune system needs to go in and deal with that um, that's going to be pretty inhibited if we're in this stressed out state but then it's also the fact that I think cortisol works on so where we get suppressed of the immune system, I think one of the biggest things is cortisol works on a, uh, um, it has a diurnal rhythm, which is a, or a um, circadian rhythm. There's, so circadian rhythms is basically how things fluctuate across a, you know, how certain hormones and actions in the body fluctuate over a roughly 24-hour period. And cortisol has one where it will tend to be higher uh, and like peak early in the morning and it'll be lower towards the end of the day and that has a big interplay with sleep so if we get towards and this is one of the things that people seem to suffer with nowadays is that this like cycle of cortisol is thrown off a lot because of chronic yeah. stress and that impacts things like sleep and when we see sleep being impacted we get we will get a kind of negative um it will have a massively negative effect when it comes to hypertrophy physique optimization even body you know, losing body fat um, i'm sure you've seen these questions i'm <laughs> so sure you've seen these questions yeah, yeah. i mean sleep, sleep I, lo- I love it though it's uh, great keep going yeah so so i think i mean with respect to hypertrophy i would say those are the main ways i think cortisol would um kind of really inhibit things you're kind of going to suppress the immune system it's going to mess with sleep and when we see sleep being messed with it's going to make you know on a basic level it's going to make adhering to a diet very difficult because all those hormones that are involved in allowing us to be satiated by the food we're eating and not as hungry so there's two players there leptin which makes us more satiated so the more leptin we have the more satisfied we are after meals um and ghrelin um and the more ghrelin we have, we are the less ghrelin, less hungry. Um, when we when sleep's impaired, basically we see leptin levels drop and ghrelin levels go through the roof. And it's one of the biggest things that sleep affects is appetite. So, um, you know, if, if cortisol's of a whack and people are stressed and then they're getting impaired sleep and you're finding that appetite's going to shit, that's probably the mechanisms why. So it's harder for them to kind of restrict calories. 
um, levels of information are going to go through the roof. Um, so when we're sleep deprived, one of the biggest things that happens is information in the body really, really drives up. And when we look at when we look at hypertrophy, it's a signaling dependent process very much so it's kind of all these inflammatory signals and stuff need to be heard by the body and if it's dealing with inflammation around the clock due to all this stress and impaired sleep and poor quality food and stuff like that it's not going to be able to respond in the same way to you know the the stimulus and the stimuli in the gym so that's another mechanism in itself like managing inflammation um and the the downstream effect that sleep can have there but then we look at the fact that sleep deprivation has been shown to dramatically decrease testosterone levels and impair things like insulin sensitivity which have more of a direct effect on things like hypertrophy um that's massive like for any guy out there like natural guy you know if you are have lower testosterone levels you ability to get jacked is down decreased we'll call that now i think i think you kind of pretty much covered both points of why this cortisol is an enemy of whatever our goal is but what I want to do, and that you touched on this, um, and I, when I butted in and said about the question list was, um, you mentioned about how you know high levels of cortisol, a sympathetic drive, stress can have an effect on such like you've talked about sleep, digestion, and mood, and whatnot. But what I want to kind of touch on is something that's very, very big, and I've seen this, and I'm sure you see this all the time. Is let's talk about females for a second, um and something that happens to them every 28 to 30 days is that we see a, an irregular menstrual cycle. Sometimes we might see it become more frequent. Sometimes it might completely go away. And I personally, the past year and a half, have had quite a few clients that have come to me who have had exactly that. However, upon analysis, before you even get into it, they're just chronically stressed. So what I just wanted you to sort of allude on is why could that what you know why would that happen in, in a sense um, and then that will lead us kind of quite good onto our next point which would be you know real life ways they can get around it um, because often that's something that's very you know um, close to heart for a lot of females if that's that's thrown off then they don't feel themselves they can you know they get bloated and whatnot so just just kind of touch on stress and the menstrual cycle just to be summary of that would be fab okay i mean that this that's this is going to have to be somewhat vague <laughs> but the um i think the biggest thing is like i mentioned earlier so the the adrenals and your you know your um in women it would be your ovaries in men it would be your testes like they they all produce the same cocktail of hormones pun intended that's <laughs> 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 uh, oh, fantastic um, <laughs> yeah the um so but the what we're looking at and and there's there's a thing that's been thrown around called the um pregnenolone steel which is this is this is where some people might get lost but essentially if if people google um i mean you could google i think you could just google like stress hormone chart flow chart something you'll see a, a diagram of how these guys are made in the body and when we look at um, sex hormones and, and these stress hormones, we'll come term them. So the catecholamines and the, um, which are like adrenaline, noradrenaline, but we're, lo- we're looking more at the glucocorticoids and mineral corticoids, like the ones I mentioned earlier, aldosterone, cortisol, um, and then these, these sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. They all come from the same, they all originate in the same way, and that's basically where cholesterol um, is taken to these you know these glands that produce these things and it become it gets converted into a hormone called pregnenolone which is basically the mother hormone and then this can go down two pathways and one of which is towards progesterone um and then that can go on there to co- to create things like cortisol and aldosterone and cortisone and then the other pathway is down to you know testosterone estrogen in that way yeah. and the the hypothesis at the time was oh sweet so if someone's too stressed they'll be diverting that pregnenolone down those those pathways that create more stress hormones and they'll be you know be won't be going down the pathway that creates sex hormones so that potentially why people get messed up cycles and they get um, like infertility and low testosterone levels and 
and kind of all that stuff. And it's somewhat true, but it's not. It's not that simple. Um, and it is basically a case. There's different levels, different um, essentially layers to the to the adrenals and different layers to the ovaries and the testes. And they all they all have different enzymes that are specific to those layers that produce different and produce different versions of these hormones. So you can't get like pregnenolone being stolen from one layer and being used in another in the same way. So it doesn't work like that. But you can get an upregulation of activity on certain layers where the body would be like, okay, I'm in a really stressed situation here. Probably not the best time for me to have a think about having a kid. So I'm probably going to downregulate activity from all those enzymes that are responsible for producing some of those sex hormones because I've got a lot of stress on my hands that I need like everyone working towards so it's going to upregulate activity there. And it does seem to happen like that. Um, there's proper experts out there that have spoken about this. Um, Dr. Dr. Fiona ND has a really cool article on this if people want to look that up. And it's lit, that's literally her name, I think, on Instagram, Dr. Fiona ND. And then she has a good website with a blog post on that. Um, but the... So there's this big interplay there where, you know, if someone's highly stressed, we're going to see potentially an impact on on their menstrual cycle. And if it's a male, potentially an impact on their testosterone levels and things like that. Um, You know, we see that... Could I butt in real quick? And this might be be a really really difficult question, but you're probably the only man that could probably answer it. Now, there's many females out there thinking, that's great. I use contraception they're putting in majority of a female contraception is mostly progesterone dominant so they're thinking well I'm putting this in anyway does this really matter this sort of a stress if I'm taking this little pill because the hypothesis in my head is that they're putting extraneous hormones in so their natural production would shut down I don't know if that's true or not however I'm going from the philosophy of if a male was to use extraneous hormones, his natural production would shut down of that hormone. So yeah. in regards to perhaps females that are using contraception, how much would perhaps this, like say stress be compounded or you know uh, increased by the use of this sort of mini pill with all the stress that's going on? It's a damn good question. And one I don't think I can answer, sadly. Um, I haven't looked into that area enough. But... Someone who would would be Lyle McDonald. who's just written a book on it. It's probably in there. Um, I got to get him on a podcast then. He's got to be. He's got to be on one of the next ones. Yeah, we'll get. I would ask him. I do a whole female one on that, and he'll probably just say everything I said is bullshit. Hopefully not, because I've (laughs) I've read read up quite well on that thing. But the um, um, yeah, I uh, I would ask him that. I mean, I I wouldn't want to speculate. I think maybe logically, um, but I would say. I would say that that, that they, these guys, progesterone, estrogen, in, you know, in women, they're the main two dominant um, steroid hormones. They have p- pretty big effects in the nervous system, and and that can be one of the things that, you know, when and the the mechanism behind this is you essentially you are putting in a synthetic form of of these hormones, and that is going to shut down natural production in some manner, um, and that causes you know infertility or whatever it is, and and you know, an inability to um, have children, which is the idea, but it can also cause certain negative effects within the nervous system and how how brain functions and neurotransmitters and stuff like that yeah. that could compound stress that way. Um, My thought behind it was that you know working with James uh, for over a year, I asked him a question, um, and it was you know based upon you know menstrual cycle and when we're sort of you know in that late luteal phase, more progesterone dominant. And how like digestion's impaired, and I just thought with yeah. how stress causes bloating and impaired digestion. If we have a female putting constant progesterone in her mouth all the time, that no wonder we're seeing shit digestion across the the month. That or you know that was my hypothesis. So that was that's kind of why I, it was more a question from me there, just buttoning in yeah. uh, rather than yeah, it no, wasn't on the list. I think it's it's a good one to ask, but it's, I think progesterone is too complicated a hormone because like you you get some people like i've read articles where they've oversimplified it massively and they're like, oh you know progesterone is like the crazy one and when we got high levels of progesterone you're a nutcase but then we also look <laughs> at progesterone on a biochemical level and it has the progesterone can stimulate 
GABA B receptors, and GABA B receptors are like, you know, GABA's are like the most, it's the only inhibitory neurotransmitter we have, it's very calming, so you get progesterone has its effect of calming okay. the nervous system as well. Yeah. Um, at, at the same time, you get these things where it's like, okay, you've got elevated levels of progesterone, and you also are showing signs of being a nutcase, which happens to a lot of women. <laughs> um, the, um, but then at the same time, yeah, it does this other stuff. So I think it's, there's other stuff at play there. I wouldn't want to speculate on it. Yeah, um, that's that's it, it's an interesting one. I think get, yeah, see if you can get Lyle because he does podcasts and he would go into that. Yeah, I, I will do. Now I'm just aware of time, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question that somebody um, asked on Instagram, and then I'm just going to wrap up with. Um, a little bit about sort of the biggest lessons you've learned in your career and whatnot. So someone actually asked on Insta, you know, real life ways they can manage stress. You've answered those, but they also uh, asked about supplementation. Uh, now I know yeah. that supplementation perhaps maybe isn't for everyone. Uh, however, this person's asking with everything you just said about managing it, is there something they can add in uh, a supplement that would perhaps help manage it? Help manage stress directly. Yes. Um, the best thing people can supplement with would be daylight. <laughs> um, I'd say in terms of getting more daylight, people don't do enough of that, but that's not what he's asking. But in terms of improving sleep quality, improving neurotransmitter um, synthesis, so we need daylight to synthesize pretty much every neurotransmitter. Um, and it, it's, we don't need 5-HCP people, you need daylight for serotonin and melatonin and all those guys that lead to optimal happiness and sleep and general you know brain functions things like that that allow you to respond to stress like get some more daylight and you'll probably help out a lot um and it's free so do that yeah, <laughs> yeah, on, a, on a on a um uh supplement though i mean like i would say supplements are the last place to go um but things like a, a pretty good one at driving cortisol levels down which is a good thing and a bad thing you know because you can and i actually did test this supplement uh, phosphatidylserine if you take quite a high dose of that before bed it seems to have a quite an effective way of you know improving sleep quality my hypothesis is that it's driving cortisol down because every single person i've tried it with client wise and then myself you wake up feeling quite groggy and we need cortisol to to feel alert in the morning and my my theory is like okay that actually is working to keep you know get you to sleep well and keep you asleep but it's also flooring cortisol a little bit too much in the morning, so maybe you don't want to have that much. Um, but there are things that have been studied for that, so phosphatidylserine, ashwagandha is, has been shown, and that's also been shown to improve. Uh, the last, there's a Latin name for ashwagandha, and I'm going to Google it, because um, they have been shown to um, improve uh, with withania somnifera, and there's... So, oh, what is it? They, they basically they get converted into something in the human body, and it be, it's like withaniums or something like that. And they have been shown to improve testosterone levels, but they've also been shown to um, regulate some of that adrenal output. So adaptogens, you know, adaptogenic herbs, they're they're adaptogenic by nature in the sense that they can kind of increase and decrease, uh, or they help you adapt to stress. Essentially, that's how it is. So they can increase adrenal output or decrease it, and they seem they, they do different things. But ashwagandha seems to help on a sleep front and a stress management front. Rhodiola, rosea seems to help. Um, there's a bunch of different adaptions. They're they're not magic, and they're not better than the lifestyle thing of getting more daylight and doing meditation and chilling out and taking yourself away from work and reducing screen usage and reading a book <laughs> you know all yeah, those things totally are way man. better but they can they can help for sure and they've been proven to help i, um, I love that I, I love that you said you know daylight first and then yeah. <laughs> you know, with the, that was a long list but at the very end you're you know again back to the fact that lifestyle intervention usually will probably work more and then if, yeah. if you've nailed those things those things might give you an extra you know one two percent which is awesome now yeah. i'm gonna wrap up here with a couple of questions uh pretty brief and ask this at the end of every podcast what i want to know is what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned in your career to date probably going to be more aimed at sort of coaches listening um about that one and then if there's any advice you would give them out there and why probably biggest lesson I've learned today 
that failure is one of the best things in the world when it comes to everything in terms of physique development <laughs> training to failure is pretty good when it comes to learning lessons and, and learning things like failing is a very very good way to learn I think that's what people I don't say strive for failure but don't be afraid to fail um, and, and like I say that in all our courses and like, like courses I've been on I'm always quick to ask questions and get stuff wrong because that's the easiest way to learn <laughs> you know and when people come on our courses I'm always saying make sure you ask a question because otherwise you know everyone in the room is going to have thought it but you've just got to have the courage to go yeah even if I get it wrong that's going to benefit me so I think for me it's my biggest lesson biggest teacher is probably failure um getting stuff wrong learning from that figuring things out you know you know figuring how how not to repeat that same effort no, that same yeah. fail <laughs> failed yeah. attempt um that that is genuinely probably the best work you know advice I could give love it now, yeah. for anybody that is listening that wants to know more about you, they want to find you on Instagram, they want to find your website, uh, could you give a sort of brief summary of where they could find you? Um, and I would say, please go along to their camps. But anyway, just give them, <laughs> just give them a little bit yeah. of summary on that. Um, so I'm, on, I'm literally exclusively active on Instagram, at Luke underscore the, the Muscle Mentors. Um, we're all, our names underscore the Muscle Mentors, so Luke... James, Ryan, Cal, underscore the Muscle Mentors. Um, and that's where we are. Slide into my DMs if you have any questions. Um, and and then also, we, I mean, we do, We I think we've probably got the world record for longest uh, time spent developing a website by now. Um, <laughs> like we, 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 it's been in, in uh, development for a while. And it is like, I, there's one email I need to send and then apparently it's done. Um, so it's going to be up in the next within the next month, hopefully. That's big. Um, which will be cool, and that will be where we'll you know put loads of cool stuff on you know lectures on this sort of thing. It'll be probably geeky as, as hell, um, and uh, you know training video like but like educational training videos. So it'll be like going into exercise mechanics and doing lectures on that sort of stuff. And it won't be the type of membership site that people are used to. I think where it would just be people training. It would be kind of entirely educational. Um, <laughs> I think I know what you're talking um, about. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, that that's that's kind of what we where you'll be able to find me. So awesome. Yeah. Um, so for any coaches listening, uh, as I said to you. Uh, the Muscle Matters brand, in my opinion, uh, the best out there if you are looking to improve your knowledge, improve results. Uh, I have learnt from th- now all of you, um, and I've not yet spoke to Ryan in depth. And as I said when the podcast with James, uh, we will get Ryan on at some point. Uh, I call him the mysterious Muscle Mentor uh, because mm. people perhaps might not uh, know about much about him as they do yourself, uh, Cal and James. Now. As a final thought, people are probably wondering out there, Vaughn, for the last hour, you guys haven't mentioned uh, cats or dogs very much, which oh. the podcast was supposed to be about. However, I think I think that will mean that at some point in the future, we have to get Luke back on. So rather than give us another hour of why cats are far superior to dogs and the most established out of the two, um, we're going to leave that to the next podcast. Would you agree? It sounds like a plan. Awesome. I mean, I, I, I did actually. I, you were in the phase one theory, weren't you? I was indeed, yeah. And one yeah, of my well, questions, one of my questions was, a... one of my questions was based that's... from that whole pregnenolone thing, the diagram, the, the whole cross, and that. Yeah. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I uh, know actually there is a I think I referenced a study in that that actually suggests that dogs are not that effective for improving autonomic nervous system balance. Well, that is a fantastic <laughs> point to end the podcast on. So, it's, it's incredible evidence as well people <laughs> in, in summary what we're saying is for you to manage stress better get yourself a cat or in my case two and you will be more jacked you will be less stressed and ultimately be or optimize your physique because that's what the muscle mentors are all about that is you know that's actually you know point of it's been shown that having a pet actually does decrease stress and that's what this all about so Obviously, cats are superior on that front. You just have to take our word for it. But yeah, get a cat or a dog, and it will actually help you out. Yeah, wicked. Um, yeah. So, I think 
That is stress 101 covered in as, as basic layman's terms. I know there's maybe some big words in there, but uh, if you use some kind words, you know, Luke uh, likes a bit of chivalry uh, and will please and thank you go a long way. Please drop him uh, a DM and he's a very, very busy man, as are the guys. Uh, maybe drop him an email and they'll get back to you. But Luke, just a massive thank you from everyone who is listening, uh, from the listeners all in Scotland who want to know a bit more about the Muscle Mentors. Uh, we appreciate what you do. We love what you do. Uh, personally, you know, you guys have had a huge impact on how I coach, uh, the systems that I use, um, and I can't thank you guys enough for everything you do, not for me, but for the industry itself. So, um, yeah, that is where we... That, that is not a problem, um, and I, I say that uh, to any coach out there. Uh, if there's anyone to listen to and learn from, uh, these are the guys to do it. So I will leave you be, uh, my man. Uh, you have a good night with uh, the cat, wh- the cast, whatever it is you're doing, and uh, we'll catch you up soon, all right? Yeah. Uh, thank you, sir. Awesome.